welcome back to Streamageddon, the TV and streaming podcast that is here to serve you, dear listener. I'm your host, Chris Barlow, and I am joined, uh, as always, by the um, Ron to my Donald, Diane Nora. How are you doing, Diane? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you, Chris? Oh, I am feeling so good, so upbeat, so perhaps falsely enthusiastic, as a, a cater waiter might perhaps on a series called Party Down. It airs on Stars with a Z. Uh, but you can stream the first two seasons on Hulu. But we are talking about it because after over a decade, it is back with a third season on Stars with a Z. And we've watched the first three episodes of season three. Uh, and you do not need to know the history of Party Down to enjoy Party Down season three. I will uh, lead with my confession. I have faked being a fan of this show for years. I saw one episode once and thought, that's funny. And then people go, oh, Party Down. It's a classic. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I know. I know. Um, Adam Scott's in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jane Lynch? Oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I've seen it. And did it live up to your fake lies? <laughs> To my uh, fake expectations. Fake expectations. Great name for a podcast. Uh, Yes, it did. And more. And we will find out. But first, we have to get to some follow-up. Beginning, uh, let's go round robin here, up with Peacock. Uh, Peacock home to Poker Face, the first hit in the history of Peacock. And uh, Poker Face Season 1 just wrapped. I I finished it and loved it. And that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Yeah, we'll have to discuss it more soon. Um, yeah. I think it, it really grew over the season. I agree, I agree, which sets it up well for the uh, season two, already greenlit. Uh, but that's going to be a while. So Peacock would like us to know that if you love a mystery, they've got Monk. They've got Monk, and they've got even more Monk, because Peacock has greenlit a Monk reunion movie called Mr. Monk's Last Case, which is kind of a depressing title. I was surprised that they included the word last in there because I could see this being several Monk films. Yes, there is nothing stopping them from making a sequel to Mr. Monk's last case called Mr. Monk's Lastest Case. Mr. Monk's uh, return to casework. Mr. Monk and, you know, the Three Penny Opera. They could really just keep going forever. Uh, But it is curious. I wonder if Tony Shalhoub just said, yes, but you have to kill me off. Like, oh, wouldn't it be oh. fun if they killed Monk off? No. <laughs> okay, that's Don't just kill me. Off Monk. That's just me. I, well, <laughs> he's done with Mrs. Maisel now. It's wrapping. So I think, you know, the world needs their Tony Shalhoub. Don't try and take our Shalhoub away. I'm sorry. I retract my statement. More Shalhoub for all of us. And that's all the Shalhoub we have time for right now because we have more follow up. <laughs> Talking, of course, about HBO, home to The Last of Us, which also just wrapped its first season. I am not even going to express an opinion right now because we're not going to wade into those waters. What I want to bring up is that The Last of Us is now officially more popular than House of the Dragon. I think HBO is pretty pleased with that. Oh, yeah. I think it's nice that it is in some ways an original show, even though it's based on existing uh, IP. It's still original in the sense that it's not a spinoff of another TV show. Uh, And that's exciting that something new can come on TV and get this much attention right away. 
Agreed. And I think maybe part of its success is people feel like they're getting in on the ground floor of something. Whereas with House of the Dragon, mm-hmm. while it was very successful, uh, if you already had preconceived notions about Game of Thrones, you might not have even tried to tune in. So uh, one of the numbers that The Hollywood Reporter gives us for Last of Us is that their cumulative audience for Last of Us is 30.4 million viewers. That's a lot that's of a viewers. That's a lot of people. I'll take it. That's, a, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Quite a lot of people um, who now will have to wait a very long time for season two. <laughs> uh, I'm counting us among them. Yes. And uh, we, will, we will give a wrap-up review soon. Soon, at some point. No rush, because you're all talking about it right now. So we'll wait until you've forgotten what you thought, and then we'll tell you what we thought, and you'll go, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's how that podcasts work. That was what work. I thought, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we have even more follow-up. Uh, we're just going to skate from one premium cable channel to another premium cable channel and say hello to Showtime, formerly known as Showtime, now known as Paramount Plus with Showtime. Gotta, gotta stick that in my brain. Uh, Showtime, we've talked about recently— Uh, What is Showtime? What is their future? What is going on with that? Well, here's a little tidbit. According to Variety, Showtime is actively looking to develop a uh, TV series based on the movie Gattaca. So I guess Showtime's still kicking. I'm going to be honest and say I haven't seen Gattaca, but it is something I've heard of. There you go. You you should pull what I did with Party Down and just go, yeah, Gattaca. Oh, real serious. Yeah, prestige sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. What I did find fun about this article is that apparently this is the second attempt to turn Gattaca into a TV show. The first one was in 2009 that was going to turn it into a police procedural, which just sounds awful. And I really wish they'd made it. Having not seen Gattaca, I'm not sure why it's awful, but I will trust again, your opinion. Again, you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Jude Law, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree, mm-hmm. I agree. Ethan Hawke, yeah, 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 90s. 90s they made some good stuff it's everywhere on tv now you can just watch it anywhere you want really if you just turn you'll stumble over some nice 90s content uh but that is just uh that that is a quick round robin of follow-up uh we got some let's say borderline news follow-up because we've talked about many hbo shows coming to a climactic end including succession right around the corner but now we have to talk about one that is going to break my heart even more Yes, Barry. Barry is coming back and ending all at once. My feelings on Barry ending are similar to my feelings on Succession ending. On the one hand, logically, I know this is good. You have creators who are taking control of the narrative and are not going to let something peter out until it's like a shadow of its former self. We'll just throw in lots of mixed metaphors here. On the other hand... I just want to keep watching Barry forever. 100% agreed. I, I do feel like, given the direction the story's gone, this is probably where it needs to wrap up with one final season. And the trailer certainly says, listen, we know we've crossed some lines and Barry will have to deal with those consequences. There is no, like, wake up, oh, it was all just a dream and I'm back to my ordinary life at the acting class. Like, n- no, it's always been headed towards some kind of a very dark ending. Agreed. At the same time, I kind of think it could have ended with the end of the last season. 
It really could have. That could have been an ending. I'm glad they're giving us a little more. And I trust that uh, Alec Berg and Bill Hader have something in mind here. But agreed. I'm agreed. You know, well, not they, sure what that could be. The the trailer is quite juicy. And there is one little uh, little cherry on top at the end that I pulled the audio from because I, I want to get your opinion on this. So help me God if I get out of here. I'm coming for you. Who is Barry coming for? That's Barry on the phone at the very end. Who is he coming for? So I think the easy answer here would be Fuchs because uh, throughout all of the last season, he was expressing his desire to kill Fuchs. Uh, it, it makes sense to me. Uh, on the other hand, I could see it being Gene Cousineau who set him up, even though we show in the trailer an earlier uh, call with Cousineau where he's sort of playing innocent and confused. I also think that it could be almost any of the other characters. We saw Sally on the phone in one scene. He could have just totally lost his temper on Sally. We know that he's done that before and be threatening her. Uh, and I wouldn't put it past him to do the same for NoHo Hank. So ooh, that's where ooh, I am. I hadn't it, even considered that that could be NoHo Hank on the other end. That That would make me so sad. I mean, I would hope he doesn't. You wouldn't be sad for Sally or Jean. Not, not the way I would be sad if they killed off NoHo Hank. <laughs> the show has one hero, and it's NoHo Hank. Agreed. Also, a spinoff about NoHo Hank would be a little cheap, and I would eat it up. Oh, yeah. If the Max Originals branding sticks around, that's a Max Original. Got Max Originals written all over it. Give it to me. Oh, but speaking of HBO... You may not know that if you live in India, you can watch HBO programming through your Disney Plus subscription. Because as one of the many, many things that happened when Disney bought Fox, they got Hotstar. Hotstar, which was India's big streamer that had a deal with HBO content. And Hotstar... Uh, and, and Star in other countries is the part of Disney Plus that basically does what Hulu does uh, for Americans in other countries. So all of the non-Disney content is in a little tile in your Disney Plus app there called Star or Hot Star. Uh, here, we break it out into a separate artisanal app called Hulu because that's how we do it in America. Uh, but overseas Hot Star, big brand, big deal. And in India, one of the big drivers of Disney Plus's growth there since Disney Plus launched. Uh, Hotstar is losing its HBO content. Disney is letting that deal expire. And I thought this was just an interesting moment to talk about, you know, why streamers let big things go, and in particular, why Disney would be willing to prioritize their potential short-term loss, losing a lot of Hotstar subscribers who are not interested in the Disney side of the, the equation, uh, because that HBO content's rumored to go to Amazon there. Uh, and also, why isn't Warner launching HBO Max or Max or whatever they want to call it in India and owning that content back? It's just such an interesting series of uh, strategic decisions. Agreed. As far as the Warner side of it goes, I do wonder if Zaslav is just looking at the amount of debt that he has right now and just saying, we cannot afford this major launch and we can't afford to do it poorly, so let's wait until we have a little more cash flow on hand and then do it well. Um, because I do think that uh, Max or whatever that will be will have global ambitions the way that you know we've seen Netflix as the leader in this field. But I think they're just not ready to, they're playing catch up still. 
That's really true. And right now, you're right. To launch in a new country, especially a huge market like India, costs a fortune. Uh, whereas I'm sure Amazon is willing to pay a decent uh, licensing fee uh, on very amenable terms to Warner to get that stuff on Prime in India. Uh, because Amazon's a company that has a much different cash flow situation than Warner Brothers Discovery. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Zaz should just sell, like, pillowcases and um, collagen powder and dog food. Would I feel any less guilty buying it from Zaz? Possibly. Possibly uh, marginally know. less guilty. I don't know. Maybe Don Lemon delivers it. <laughs> yeah, he he might be free for for more work soon. Yeah, he we'll might see. have some time on his hands. Zaz isn't going let, to let him go, but he is going to put him to work. We'll see. We will see. But, you know, we're not going to talk about Don Lemon on this podcast. We are going to talk about Disney+. Plus. They move into a big market. They absorb all these people from Hotstar, their existing uh, subscriber base. Hotstar also had Premier League Cricket in India, which was a huge deal for Disney+. Plus. Disney let the rights for that go. They negotiated for it, supposedly, but they didn't want to pay. Uh, what what was being asked, which was a huge price increase over what Fox had had paid when it was still Fox's decision. So it's interesting to see them let all of these old Fox decisions unwind uh, and willing to take the risk that they'll lose subscribers in a big market, uh, probably on the confidence that at this point Disney Plus is established enough that a lot of people will stick around. And they may. Uh, we'll see. I do think, though, that there's just no way that they won't lose some folks with this. I also really have empathy in this situation for all those viewers who are, you know, looking forward to upcoming HBO shows and now have to figure out a new way to watch them. Um, yeah, timing all also this for shuffling that. around. Right, to, to let yeah. go of this at, at the moment that HBO is really firing on all cylinders. You know, uh, The Last of Us just ended, huge buzz, and then we have Barry and Succession coming back, some of their biggest titles. And this this is happening right now. It's not like, oh, at the end of 2023. It's like at the end of March. Oof. Yeah, that that's coming up soon. I, I mean, Amazon could move quickly here. We'll see. Yeah, I imagine they will. I mean, if you've got the rights, you're going to move fast. Um, and they certainly have the money to make it happen. I do wonder on the money side if some of this is also Bob Iger uh, and and the kind of uh, recalibration they're doing to tighten their budget. Uh, maybe this is something that they were going to keep doing. And now Iger's back and says, you know what, long term, it's not worth the uh, expense. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of these folks are not looking in this expansive mode that they were and now are just looking at revenue. Mmm, juicy revenue. You know who else is probably looking at their revenue? It's Netflix, of course. Netflix still profitable. We were talking the other day, uh, and, and you made a hilarious joke about uh, how streaming is not supposed to make money. And I was like, no, no, there's a profitable <laughs> streaming uh, company. One, it's Netflix. End of list. I love Netflix. So I was sad to see this, that they have scrapped two completed movies that won't be released on the service. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was interesting, and, and I wanted to have a conversation about has Netflix uh, struggled to figure out its movie identity? Uh, because, you know, I read these. I'm going to just read the titles and the quick log lines. Uh, one of them is called The Inheritance, in which billionaire Charles Abernathy invites his four estranged children back home out of fear that tonight someone 
or something, is coming to kill him. To ensure his family will help protect him from whatever's coming, Abernathy puts each of their inheritances on the line. They'll get nothing if he's found dead by dawn. It's reverse Knives Out. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, I don't, I, okay, I see the pitch, reverse Knives Out, and I don't need it. I don't want it. And I, 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 it reads a little like, oh, sure, that's the kind of movie that I would scroll past on Netflix. And, and I felt similarly about this other title. Again, no, no offense to the hardworking people who made these projects, but this is, again, the, the title and the pitch. House slash Wife. Uh, in which a mother recovering from a brutal accident moves into a prototype smart home with her family, only to find the house's AI system may have sinister intentions. Which is just the Disney Plus original, uh, Disney Channel original movie Smart House, but dark. I love Smart House, so I'm all for it. I admit, but, this one know, I might, I might like at least pause over the tile and watch the trailer. Right? I mean. These projects may land elsewhere. They're being shopped around. So, you know, perhaps we'll see them somewhere else and we'll be proven wrong. And these are hits. Um, but yeah, I, neither of them particularly appeals to me. And I think that a lot of the Netflix movies haven't had the success they wanted. Um, we know that Gray Man got, you know, not renewed. Gray Man <laughs> is getting a sequel, but it doesn't seem to have been as successful as Netflix wanted it to be. No. And that's one of their most expensive movies to date, if not the most. Yeah. You know, if you talk about what's their list of really successful movie hits, it's it's Glass Onion and End of List. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, uh, sure, everybody knew about Don't Don't Look Look Up. Up, Sure. But like, was Don't Look Up a critical or popular success? Uh, Not really. Uh, No. Netflix still seems intent to try to win Oscars, and uh, we know that they they won a few this past week. They still haven't won the big Oscar, uh, and I think that that's part of it, too, that these are not, like, those big, serious movies that net they don't sound like Oscar bait. You know, no. Netflix isn't interested in making more popcorn, trashy movies right now that aren't cheap. Right? Although, you know, everything everywhere all at once. I really enjoyed this movie. I'm thrilled it did so well. And A24 makes fantastic content. In a way, though, I'm, I look at that movie, I'm like, why couldn't that have been on Netflix? That could have been a movie on Netflix. It, it felt, you know, niche, adventurous, probably medium budget. Why couldn't Netflix be greenlighting projects like that that might not hit, that are a risk, but, you know, that wound up not just hitting, but being the the movie that swept the Oscars. And it, it to me, is like, sure, A24 is, is, you know, situated differently in the industry. But, again, like, content-wise, budget-wise, doesn't Netflix have the data to say, well, you see, people who are fans of Michelle Yeoh are also fans of Raiders of the Lost Ark, are also fans of, you know, time travel and the Avengers. Shouldn't they be able to concoct this? something about everything everywhere all at once that was so unique that it could really only come from the Daniels and I'm not sure that Netflix is courting talent at that level who are making these you know weird weird movies right I guess I'm saying everything everywhere all at once obviously worked 
Yeah, I wish they would. I wish they would. But I think that would take them not looking at the algorithm and saying, this is the three checkboxes that people like. And instead saying, I trust you, creator. I'm going to greenlight your next greenlight your next three projects, no matter what they are, and we'll take a risk on them and give you a big budget for them. That doesn't seem like where Netflix is, even if it's not cutting back as much as some of the other networks. True. Uh, you know, and so that that brings us to the other movie news from Netflix, which you sent to me. Nancy Myers uh, played a game of chicken with Netflix. Yeah, so uh, they have canceled her big budget rom-com that was coming out, uh, which is a shame. I was bummed to hear this news. I'm not obsessed with Nancy Myers, but I enjoy a Nancy Myers romp. I would like to see myself in one of those kitchens for a few hours. And why not have that on Netflix? Um, I think that the issue here was a budgeting one. It sounds like they offered her $130 million and she pushed for $150 million And Netflix was like, sorry, that's farther than we're willing to go. Uh, which in some ways may make sense. Uh, and there were most of these budgetary expenses were not, in fact, to the kitchens, as some have surmised, but were uh, all above the line expenses. So, um, you know, for the top talent, Nancy and I think it was Scarlett Johansson and a few other big names at the top who are just really eating into your budget. Owen Wilson, Penelope Cruz, Michael Fassbender. Sure, some of those people cost some money. They do. They do. So I think that's really what did it, which is disappointing, though. I hope this movie still gets made. I feel like it probably will somewhere, but maybe not with that cast. Maybe some of this is, you know, Netflix having spent a ton of money on star-studded casts for Don't Look Up, The Gray Man, and going, you know, the, the amount of money we spent for that celebrity talent didn't necessarily translate into more success. We might have gotten a similar amount of success with fewer celebrities. I agree with that. At the same time, it seems like the thing that they need to invest in is the creator. And like, yes, the Russo brothers made um, what Endgame. Yes, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm i such a mm-hmm. Marvel nerd, guys. <laughs> the Russo brothers made Endgame. And that was, you know, good. But did pe- was that the success that it was because of the Russo brothers or because it was Marvel and it had, you know, all of these superheroes in it? I still think they could have trusted Nancy to deliver the goods she's been doing it for decades so true so true but you know i i do walk away from this asking myself the question am i more likely to watch a mid-tier netflix movie or a mid-tier netflix series and the answer paradoxically is the latter like kaleidoscope Uh, which we reviewed. You can find it in your feed. Kaleidoscope, I watched all the episodes, even though I did not really enjoy that experience at the end of the day. If it had been a movie with that premise, I'm not sure I would have watched 30 minutes of it. But because there was like, oh, there's another one. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe this episode will be different. It's, you know, jumps around. So like this one could be totally different. Okay, I'll try another. I'll try another. And some of these movies like House Slash Wife, I'm like, if you told me that that was a 10 episode series, I would be much more interested in watching it, even if it was worse because it was longer and padded out. That 
That's true. I mean, I think that may say something more about our taste than about. Maybe, maybe. There are still people who watch movies. I do, I think. I think the number may be shrinking, but there sometimes people do indulge in a in a film. I don't know. There's something about I feel more comfortable dropping out of a TV episode in the middle and then picking it up later than I do in a movie. There is something about even though a movie is literally shorter than a season of television, I feel more commitment to complete a movie and I feel more um, failed, like a failure, if I drop out midway. I still haven't finished The Fablemans because that movie is so long. And I honestly think The Fablemans would be twice as good if it was a prestige miniseries on HBO about, you know, movies and how that art form once was the prestige HBO of its time. I totally passionately disagree, but we can fight about the Fablemans <laughs> later. The ending is really good. I'll get there. I, I own it. I own it. I could finish it at any time and yet... And yet now we have to talk about a different show, one that I have been binging many episodes of, whole Fableman's worth of, because I am talking about the Stars with a Z original series, Party Down. Yes, Party Down. We're going to talk about Party Down, uh, the series that premiered on Stars with a Z in 2009 and has returned in 2023, again on Stars with a Z, which, just a reminder, exists. Good luck subscribing to it. I could not get them to take $3 from me, and yet somehow found a way to watch the show. Don't know how that happened. Uh, but, but truly, their website was unwilling to take my billing information on multiple computers, and so I just gave up. Oh boy. Get it together, Stars. With a Z. Uh, stars. Thankfully, thankfully, that negative experience has nothing to do with the show. <laughs> the quality of the show. Having now seen three episodes of season three, were you compelled to go back and complete the first two seasons? Yeah, I'm most of the way through season one. I have not started season two yet, but it did. I, I uh, first wanted to see the pilot of the original before watching the the, reun- the, the premiere of season three. Uh, and, and I found that unnecessary but nice uh you can definitely just start uh with season three if you're not familiar with party down we are gonna spoil most of the conceit of the show uh but i don't again i don't think that matters because this is a kind of case of the week comedy about uh cater waiters in uh hollywood and the hollywood adjacent uh world who you know every episode is another gig so every episode it has a title like willow canyon homeowners annual party or California College Conservative Union Caucus. The fact that the parties are always kind of depressing and not as nice as you think they should be is really part of the charm of this show for me. Oh, 100%. And and it is a show that is both silly and funny, but also very existential and about people who are either on the one hand, you know, trying to get out of this job, and on the other hand, so obsessed with this job that otherwise is a little uh, pathetic that that you wonder if they could get a hobby, please. You know, I, yeah. I do what you love, Ron Donald, but but maybe do it with a little more, I don't know, dignity. Uh, Ron Donald, played by the amazing Ken Marino. Every time I see him on screen, I wonder... Why is he not a household name? I mean, he's known. He gets regular work, but he should have a, like, Will Ferrell, Jack Black-sized career. He is so funny. 
you know, if people know this show, they might know Adam Scott is one of the primary stars, uh, and Lizzie Kaplan in the original two se- seasons, though she could not return for season three because she was shooting Fleischman, uh, which we've talked about on this show, and good for her, Fleischman's great. But honestly, having watched now the first three episodes of the new season and a lot of the original uh, first season, I, I'm like, oh, Ken Marino is the show. They could reboot the show mm-hmm. and have the entire cast change, but Ken Marino, Ron Donald, is still running Party Down Catering. He's the linchpin. And obviously, I'm so glad that Adam Scott is back and that uh, Ryan Hansen and Martin Starr from the original runner back and Jane Lynch is sort of back. Uh, I'm thrilled. But I'm like, oh, the heart of the show is Ken Marino. Agreed. Agreed. Though I will say I'm enjoying some of the new folks quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, Tyrell Jackson Williams, who plays Saxon, who is an aspiring influencer. Uh, he makes content. The content is so depressing and uh, so relatable in a in a different way than their old auditions were on the original series. Um, he is really funny. Um Zoe Chow is hilarious in this. Um, I'm not sure if she will become a regular. She appears first in the third episode. I am under the impression that she is a new series regular. Uh, She's their new chef, who uh, Ron Donald brings on to make edgy appetizers, but then the appetizers are disgusting or they're experiential. There's a really good scene in episode three where she makes these um, cake bites that contain... Uh, like a a stinky cheese camembert yeah yeah and she watches as someone uh, eats it and then has like a a a realization about their life basically <laughs> and you're like yes it's a little silly it's a little absurd and also she sells it so well they feel so deeply about what's happening in the moment that I'm like yeah I believe it yeah count me in that was episode two no i'm gonna correct us now that that was episode two which is her first episode jack body's delayed post-pandemic surprise party which i have to say the full name of because i I have to back up and talk about my favorite thing about the the setup of season three here uh it's been obviously over a decade since the original run of the show and so season three opens with an episode seemingly set in the present day where they are getting back together to celebrate Kyle, one of the original cater waiters, becoming a superhero in a Marvel-like series about mancers. There's Nitromancer, Ecomancer, Cryptomancer. He's going to be Nitromancer. And so he's finally going to make it big. And so he hires Party Down to cater his party. And, and characters who are no longer catering stop by. So everyone's there and you think, oh, okay, some people are moving on with their careers. Adam Scott quit acting. Now he's a teacher and he's married and uh, Lizzie Kaplan's character Casey is gone from their lives. She became big on SNL, and like, okay, we're setting up. Everybody's kind of moved on a bit. Ron Donald's getting ready to buy the company and really like embrace his dream of being party down man. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, in which uh, of course Kyle loses the job as Nitromancer because some old video comes out in which he seems to be a, a Nazi adjacent musician, which he swears he's not, and I believe him. But the video uh, goes viral, and he gets canceled. Uh, thanks to Quinta Brunson, who just waltzes through as his agent for that one episode. And you think, great, everything's kind of firing on all cylinders here. I see how they're going to bring them back together. He loses his gig. He's got to cater like while he auditions again. And that's when they drop that this episode's actually taking place 
in February of 2020. And they cut to 14 months later, and Ron is living out of the party down van, and you immediately know why everyone is going to be working at party down again. And and they continue as if almost no time has passed, because at the end of episode one, Jennifer Garner, who appears as one of the new characters, Evie, is uh, asking Ron Donald to cater her boyfriend, movie star Jack Body's uh, birthday party. And then episode two picks up with his delayed post-pandemic surprise party catered by Party Down. But now everybody works at Party Down again for one reason or another, most of the reasons being pandemic-related, but also divorce and other, you know, kind of deliciously depressing things for for this show. Uh, and, And the stakes are instantly understandable and higher in a way that feels like depressingly real, which is where this show, I think, excels in that it's funny, but it is so real that the goofiness actually seems like, yeah, life is really absurd and painful sometimes. Agreed. Yeah, there are moments of this show that really do kind of break your heart for anyone who's, uh, you know, had trouble with a creative career or just felt that their life has put them not exactly where they want to be right now. There's a lot of that on the show, but in a way that it doesn't pull punches. It's not like, and then everything is going to work out fine. It's like, no, maybe one day you'll think you're about to get your big break, but you won't. You'll keep catering. And it does it with a lot of humor, but part of me wonders if that's the maybe part of the reason that it didn't find its audience as a young show. Um, I think part of it was probably the way that it was marketed. And now all these folks are big stars, but they weren't huge stars at the time. Um, so it, it is amazing, really, how well this cast has done over the you know 13 years that it's been off the air. But I think that it's got a little bit of like depressing comedy in it. It's got a little bit of screwball absurdism. It's got a little bit of a will they won't they in the sense that it borrows from so many things that it's hard to pin down into just one like, oh, I know exactly what this is. Yeah, and it borrows all of these things and then remixes them in a very set structure that makes the show feel unique. And even the set structure, the case of the week, the event of the week, is borrowed from other things. But that structure makes it feel like that defines Party Down in a certain way, where otherwise you could remix these these things in a lot of different shapes. Yeah, the structure also lends them this opportunity that for each of these parties, they get these amazing episode co-stars, uh, cameos from you know very big names and uh that's also a really fun thing to see you know who's hosting the party this week oh yeah uh you know episode three we get uh a callback sort of to one of their first episodes the second episode of the show they're uh catering a college republicans event in california an episode that features a disturbingly young josh gad as, as one of the people working at the event. And so in the third season, we have the third episode is at a kind of similar event, except it's for a, like, Nazi-adjacent alt-right organization that features a really excellent pair of cameos from Callum Worthy, who, if you don't recognize the name, he's from Reboot, which, rest Zach. in peace, Reboot, Zach. I love him in Reboot, and he is so good in this role as the organizer who's trying to get this, like, alt-right group taken seriously. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of almost unsurprising when you describe like alt-right group in a sitcom, Nick Offerman is there doing a Nick Offerman thing, but a nice, a nice variation on the, the Nick Offerman thing. Uh, but part of what I love about uh, shows like uh, Party Down and uh, Strange Comparison, but The Last of Us, they overlap in the Nick Offerman sense of the words, uh, is that we get these actors like Nick Offerman who could not commit to do a whole season of Party Down or a whole season of The Last of Us, but we get to see them flex these this range and these chops in these really juicy guest roles because these shows have the structure that allows for a deep story about one character or a couple of characters uh, adjacent to the main cast. We get so much of that. We, we get a Mars uh, Marsden. James Marsden. Yeah, we get a Marsden as uh, Jack Body, the celebrity. We, we just get so many of these over the run of the show that it is a lot of fun. And again, kind of adds... Um, uh, adds a level of prestige almost because you get such high quality talent to come into this world. Yeah, and I think that does speak to, again, the sort of career growth that all these folks have had over the past, you know, decade plus that it's been off the air that, you know, Adam Scott wasn't very famous in 2009. Now he has, a, you know, a couple hit shows. Um, same with, uh, like... Jane Lynch post Glee is just a different type of level of character actor now. Yeah. And, 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 and the list goes on. Martin Starr, I, I knew him first from Silicon Valley, but this, this is almost more iconic uh, for him. I've been with Martin Starr since the Freaks and Geeks days because I, I he's so good in this. I like that they're willing to make his character Roman pretty nasty pretty awful. he's got you know a really ugly side he's funny but he's not a great guy no no i like that this show is willing to go there yeah it's I, so refreshing right now especially yeah it's great that it's it's real but not feel good where i think a lot of shows that want to be a lot of comedies that want to be real right now also want to give you a, a feel good blanket a snuggie of of hope uh and this show does not this show wants to say, you know, the the real parts are almost too real. So here's a goofy scene where, you know, Ron Donald accidentally gets a contact high uh, and starts pitching his soup and crackers business to some rappers. That scene is so funny. So oh, my good. gosh. Ken Marino, national treasure Ken Marino. So if we have not convinced you yet to figure out how to give stars $3, that's okay, because you can watch the first two seasons of Party Down on Hulu. Uh, great move for them to really push that. Uh, and if you're hooked, then uh, you will find a way to give stars $3 so that you can watch season three of Party Down. And let me tell you, that is a steal. I Stars, come find me on the street and I will take out my wallet and shove the money in your face because it's worth every penny. Oh yeah, As stars is worth your time. Who we we don't give stars enough love on this show. I think uh, we should we should invest in some stars properties. <laughs> we'll figure out what those other properties are and tell you about it right here. <laughs> on Streamageddon. This is where there would be like a little interstitial credit scene where they follow up on something that happened and wrap a story in a funny way while the music kind of bops around in the background. And so, you know, I'm late for work.
Okay, I'm really late for work. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're okay, good, you're good. Bye. bye. Got Max Originals written all over it. Give it to me.